Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What up and welcome to the Triple Threat Podcast. We appreciate you guys every single week joining us. I am DJ Shockley and of course my man on the other side, the man, the myth, the legend. You all know him as Scotty D. Scotty D, what's up baby? Hey everybody, thanks for listening today. There you go. There you go with that one. Hey everybody, that's not going to get it. Scotty D, what's up? What's up, what's up, there what's go, up? There we go. There we go. I, gotta, right. I gotta wake Scotty up sometime, man. Hey, we appreciate you guys joining us. This is the Triple Threat Podcast. We're all over everywhere, and we appreciate you guys subscribing and watching and tuning in every single week as we love to talk a little sports. Of course, we talk culture. We talk everything going on, and today is no different, but I am hyped. If you can't understand how hype I am today, it's for one particular reason. Because football is here. Football is back. We've had it for the last couple of weeks. But tonight, tonight, you got Chiefs versus Texans on prime time. Two of the top QBs in the National Football League going at it. And Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. We'll talk about that Deshaun Watson money in a minute. He just got broke off pretty good. We also got college football tonight. We got UAB taking on the U. Miami Hurricanes stepping up and playing tonight on prime time as well. A lot of football this weekend as the ACC and the Big 12 get started up this weekend. Georgia Tech is taking on FSU in prime time at 3.30 on ABC. The number one team in the country, the Clemson Tigers, visit Wake Forest. You got Duke at number 10, Notre Dame. Yes, Notre Dame is in the ACC. Playing an ACC schedule this year should be interesting. Missouri State. Versus number five, Oklahoma. Spencer Rattler getting his first start. Might as well say Spencer Rattler is already shooing for the Heisman. We know how Lincoln Riley does over at Oklahoma. But I will see how that turns out. UTEP takes on number 14, Texas. And, of course, we talked about it. It's been a big story. Everything that's going on around the country with the pandemic and the COVID-19 stuff that's happening, there will be some postponement. Baylor versus La Tech was postponed. UCF versus Florida National postponed as well. So it's going to be part of it this year. We're going to have a couple games that's going to be missing this year. Uh, But hopefully we we get to finish out the season. Scotty D, what are you looking forward to in the game tonight? Or any game this weekend, I should say. Man, I just can't wait. Yeah, I mean, it feels like we've been waiting. I mean, what are we? We're going to be... Two weeks late, three weeks late than normal. Yeah. But, man, yeah. it feels like so much longer. Christmas. feels like so much longer. By the way, uh, regarding your comments on Spencer Rattler and the Heisman, we have yeah. Trevor from South Carolina on line one that wants to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> I said he's going to be in the race. I didn't say he was going to win it. I said he was going to be in the race. So Yeah, tonight yeah. tonight's game, man, not only two of the best quarterbacks in the league, but definitely – the two top paid quarterbacks in the league. No doubt. Man, that's I'm excited. I got uh I I, I think that uh the Chiefs are going to defend their they're gonna yeah. start their title defense with a win tonight. Okay. I, I think they're a much better team than than the Texans, but um it's it should be hopefully it's a good game. Yeah, it's gonna be fun to watch, man. I mean I think everybody's looking forward to some football mm. and seeing some live action. So uh it'll be fun to watch that this week. Uh 
Uh, I know a lot of Clemson fans are looking forward to watching Clemson get out the first way for us and see what Notre Dame looks like in the ACC. Mm-hmm. Now, we talked about, you said Deshaun Watson's got some big money. Patrick Mahomes, we know, all signed big deals. Let's talk about these huge contracts that went down this week, actually. Deshaun Watson signs a four-year, $156 million deal, average around 39 mil a year, 27 mil at signing bonus. Worthy of it? Man, I love Deshaun Watson. Yes. Local kid, good kid. Shout out my man, John Never Toddy. heard a negative thing about him. He's, he's a, I, I, I'm happy for him, <laughs> for yes. sure. Shout out my man, John Todd. He's my neighbor. He, he loves some Clemson. He's all about Deshaun Watson. So uh, any talk about Clemson, he's all for it. But Deshaun Watson definitely deserving. Another Clemson guy, DeAndre Hopkins, gets broke off some mm. ridiculous he agrees to a two-year, $54.5 million extension with the Arizona Cardinals, $42.5 million guaranteed at signing. So he's going to make around $27.2 per year. And this deal keeps him in Arizona for the next five years through the 2024 season and can get up around $94 million. So he's making around $18.8 this year. But I think the most important thing about this deal was my man DeAndre Hopkins did it himself. Mm-hmm. He calls himself Agent Hop. So if you don't know, this man negotiated his own deal to get this kind of big boy money. And when they asked him, why did you do it yourself? He said, I negotiated this deal because I wanted to be in the front office once I get done playing. So he said this was the best way for him to learn the language, the contract, how they do things. And kudos to him, man. Got himself a good deal. Yeah. And, and he's keeping that, what, 8%, 10%, up. whatever it is. Keeping all up. I've never had an agent, so I don't know how much you've got to give them. But <laughs> um, I like, he gave he gave some parting words to uh, to the te- back at the Texans, too, and Bill O'Brien. Yeah, yeah, Bill O'Brien. I still don't get, I don't understand. I, I'm, I'm going to leave it alone, but I don't know how you get rid of one of the top three receivers in the game and just let him go somewhere else. But I know Hopkins, glad he's going to be around. Kyler Murray for the next five, six years. So that should be an interesting tandem. Probably going to take over for old Larry Fitz here. Yeah. Be the new face in Arizona. so good. I mean, think about Kyler Murray's situation. First of all, you got one of the the smartest, best receivers uh, that ever played the game in Larry Fitzgerald to learn from. And now he's got legit top three actual receiver right now in the league on his team. You know, Kingsbury calling the play. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's a young duo they're going to have there for a very long time. Also, Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey signs a five-year, $105 million extension with the Rams. And this is the largest contract ever for a cornerback. He signs this contract worth 100 mil, 71.2 million at signing. And it's the largest guarantee to a defensive back. So Jalen Ramsey setting the standard. Uh, he's a guy that's been talked about. He's been ridiculed at times, but this guy found a way out of Jacksonville and now is balling, and he's going to need all that living out there on the West Coast. But uh, I guess that pa- all, that, all that pouting paid off, didn't it? Paid off big time. So shout out to them dudes, man. All them dudes getting paid this week and uh, setting themselves up for a very, very long, long career and lots of money to deal with. Jumping uh, to a little, little bit more college. Earlier this week, Jamie Newman, quarterback at the University of Georgia, opted out and said he is going to get ready for the NFL draft. That leaves JT Daniels and Dewan Mathis as the two probable guys to step in that role. Scotty D, I know you're not a Georgia fan. You're no. not a Georgia guy. I'm sure you were excited to see this. 
initial thoughts when you saw Jamie Newman opting out with three weeks before the season starts? Well, having that athleticism, that to me is a lot tougher to yeah. to, to address from a defensive standpoint. Yeah. So, I I mean, and I don't know how really healthy JT is. JT yeah. Daniels is. So we'll 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 see. But I. I, if you ask me who I want my team to face, it's JT Daniels. Yeah, but, you know. Everything Put it on the bulletin board. <laughs> everything out of Athens saying JT Daniels has been very impressive. I was also one who was very, uh, I should say, uh, very interested in why it happened the way it did. And uh, like you mentioned, man, that you, you never want to speculate. And the guy said, hey, it's because of COVID. And mm-hmm. he wants to make sure that uh, he's safe going into the NFL draft. And you want to. You know, believe the kid when he says it. So I don't, yeah, I don't blame him one bit, man. Yeah. I mean, he is he is he, has, he look, he, he came to Georgia for his own benefit. Mm-hmm. He didn't come there to do for Georgia sure. a favor. For sure. So if it's a situation where, look, what I don't have loyalty to this team. Um I, I don't I don't like the timing personally very yeah, much. Time, but I mean time is a little suspect. But I, I totally I totally understand his situation. Yeah. Yeah. I was excited to watch him play, man. I, I, I watched a lot of film on my Awake Fours, was a productive player, was looking forward to him in that new Georgia system. Under Todd Monken with some, uh, I think, better talent around him. And I thought he was going to be one of the top players in the country. But uh, obviously that will not be. He will be taking his talents to the next level. And that leaves JT Daniels and Dewan Mathis, who I've been really impressed with. I've seen him a couple of times. Another athletic kid, can run, can throw, has the ability to really put a lot of pressure on teams. And JT Daniels, we've seen what he did when he was at USC as a freshman. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming off an ACL. So I think these will be two guys who have an opportunity to play this season. I think they both will play. And for Georgia, it's going to be interesting to see which one of those guys takes the reins. And uh, they're always benefited by a good defense. So it'll be fun to watch Georgia this fall and see which one of those two guys shows up and possibly takes the reins and sends them on to possibly another championship run. Moving on to the NBA. Bucks lose... Giannis was out. They were ousted by the Heat on Tuesday. Red Hot Jimmy Butler still doing work in the bubble. The Lakers took a 2-1 lead on the Rockets on Tuesday behind LeBron James, who now holds the most playoff wins in NBA history with 162. Just past former Laker Derek Fisher. So that's a lot of wins for LeBron James. That's two full seasons worth of playoff wins. Man, it's that's crazy. It's ridiculous. So a lot going on in the bubble, but a lot still to be had a team are still scrapping and fighting it out to get to the finals. Uh, Marvin Williams, though, who just finished playing with the Bucs. Uh, people in Atlanta know Marvin Williams pretty well. Was drafted by the Hawks with the second overall pick back in 2005. Played 1,072 NBA games decides to retire at the age of 34 after 15 years in the NBA. I didn't know he was still playing. <laughs> he just playing for the Bucs. Come on. Some speck on Marvin Williams' name, man. He played 15 years. Well, but uh, Marvin Williams is uh, going to retire at 34 after 15 years. So uh, big props to him for a long career. Billy Donovan, uh, no longer the OKC Thunder coach. Uh, he is. They decided to mutually part ways, and I hear the the Bulls will pursue him uh, pretty hard. You know, I think this is Billy Donovan's best coaching job ever because I think he was there for a year with with the whole gang. Mm-hmm. He lost Durant after one year. Mm-hmm. Now he's lost Westbrook. Mm-hmm. And so I, I I was a little surprised by that. Yeah. They uh, took they took they took uh Houston to seven games, right? To the wire. So uh, I was a little surprised. Great. Now I hope I don't I don't dislike Mike White down at Florida. Mm-hmm. He's an okay dude. 
When he got rid but of Billy, Billy D, he was mad about but that. But if Billy Donovan is available, well, they didn't get rid of him. He, he went to the NBA. That's what I'm saying. But yeah, if uh, Billy D is available and Billy D. William, looking, yeah. <laughs> he's looking to get back into to Gainesville. I fully support that. You'd be down for that. Yeah, I don't know, man. We've been so long in the NBA, man. Who knows? Well, man. he gets those big paychecks in the NBA. Yeah, Chicago man. pay yeah, him. Yeah. Last thing before we get to our feature guest today, who, by the way, is the one and only Mark Schlebach, who, mm. oh, man, we got some good stuff to talk about with Mark, from his dog running the Sanford Stadium to uh, who's going to win the whole entire everything in the SCC, ACC. He's going to give some good insight on all that coming up. Last but not least, you know, I got to talk about my golf. I love a little golf. This past weekend in East Lake was the Tour Championship, and Dustin Johnson goes and collects fifth. Teen meal for the weekend goes out and just crushes the field. And I had a chance to be out there, Scotty D. Mm, I, I had know. a chance to be You're sending there. me pictures. Yeah, I had to be there Sunday and Monday. And I got a chance to be there and walk with Dustin Johnson and Xander Shoffley, who I know you like. So I had a chance to do that. So shout out to my guy, Tony Philo at Coke, man. He hooked me up with that. I was pretty excited about that. Uh, had the opportunity to go out there. So, uh, Truly blessed, man. I was excited to be out there. I love golf, but to see it firsthand, mm. you have no idea how clean and flush these oh, dudes no, hit man. this golf ball. But it was fun to watch Justin and see, crush it. And see, you got to see it with like seven people there. Yeah, that's cool because yeah. you can hear it. You can hear that noise so it, yeah. good. You, you're you're on the rope the whole time. That's awesome. I'm super jealous. And you know what? But I got to, Despite the big lead going into Sunday, I yeah. got exactly what I want, which yeah. is. DJ started to look like he was going to run away, then he came back a little yeah. bit. And then Xander and, and JT started coming up to him. And so it got really competitive. So when, when it started, I just said, give me 16 good holes, 15 yeah. good holes. Yeah. Because uh, I know at some point he's going to have a big lead and just yeah. coast in. But yeah. we got what we wanted. It was some good golf, man. These guys were throwing and what's darts. what's interesting is, I didn't know why you're out there. They don't have the leaderboards like on every hole. The leaderboards is spread out between like five, six holes. So oh. you don't know what's happening a lot of times around you. And then you don't have most tournaments, you can hear the roars yeah. and somebody has a birdie, a big putt. You don't get none of that right. because no people out there. So for five, six holes, you're not sure if you're up two, you're up, you know, four or five, yeah. what it is. So that was another interesting dynamic about uh the tour championship, which was was really cool to see. So uh East Lake had it looking in pristine, pristine oh, condition out there. It looked gorgeous on TV. It was beautiful. <laughs> but man, I'm looking forward to talking to this next guy, Scotty D. Yeah. Uh, you you know him pretty well. Um, you got a buddy that knows him pretty well. Yeah. Uh, my man Mark Schlebach is coming up next. He's going to talk to us everything about college football and who he expects to be in the Heisman race, but also, more importantly, who's going to win each one of these divisions and who are going to have some upsets. That's mm-hmm. going to be got some upset to. picks. So uh, tune in, man. We got Mark Schlebach coming up next on the Triple Threat Podcast. Welcome to the Triple Threat, back to the Triple Threat podcast. And uh, man, I got a good friend of mine, good buddy, a New York Times best-selling author, uh, graduate of UGA for sure now, my man, Mark Schlaber. Mark, how are you, man? How has uh, these times been for you? And uh, I know you're a busy guy, but uh, how's life been for you over the last three, four months? been good man I, you know I got, I got it my oldest daughter is a sophomore over at UGA and she was home and she probably hated it but we loved having her back to have the family together and she couldn't get back to Athens fast enough but uh, 
you know, we're busy. We got a high school senior and sixth grade boy, so it's it's been fun. Yeah, man, I understand that. My mine are ten and eight, so uh, they they still like us a little bit. Uh, we want to get with you like, so I definitely know what that's like. Before we talk ball, of course, I know everybody wants to, you know, talk about everything that's going on around the country and stuff, but uh, let's go back to some of your younger days um, in Athens, part of the Sigma Nu fraternity. You might not even know it, but, man, you're like brothers, man. I'm a part of the Phi Beta Sigma fraternity. You're Sigma Nu fraternity, so we're all like Sigma brothers in this together. Uh, talk about your, your time in Athens and then uh, – uh, and what it was like, you know, coming out of there. Um, I've tried to erase most of those mem- most of those memories from my uh, from my brain, or I think some other things did that for me. But, uh, <laughs> it, uh, it was a good time. It was a great uh, six year experience. Right. That's uh, about how long it took me to get out of there. But um, <laughs> no, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, you know, I I was at the fraternity, and I know your producers brother-in-law was, was one of my really good friends there and we were roommates Mark Neal but um you know I started working like my junior year I was working for the red and black before you got there I remember covering your recruiting and and talking to your dad right after Mark Richt was hired um yeah. but uh, I was able to get to the AJC covering high school games and then they uh hired me to to cover Georgia uh rank offs last year I was actually covering Georgia from the Sigma Nu fraternity house Scott wow. Reed Scott yeah. Reed, the beat writer, split with California, and for some reason they hired this twenty-year-old kid to cover Georgia. <laughs> I mean, it's it's pretty cool, man. For a lot of people who may not know, obviously you worked at the AJC for nine years, worked for the Washington Post, now you work for ESPN. Uh, but one thing that I didn't know that I do know now um, is doing my research on my boy, and I found out about all these Doug Dynasty books. I found about all these. You know the the, the famous uh, Doug Dynasty family. Well, what was that like? I mean, everybody loves Uncle Cy. Everybody loves you know uh, uh, the the Doug Dynasty family. Talk about how that came about and uh, the relationship you spoke up with those guys. Yeah, so like the first, like I'd done some books, um, a Georgia book, a Virginia Tech book, Florida, Florida State, kind of team centric books. The first big book I ever really did was with Bobby Bowden. Mm-hmm. Right after he retired, I was fortunate enough to get to to help him write his memoir. And um, the woman who edited that book, as soon as Bowden came out, she called me and said, have you ever duck hunted? Are you a duck hunter? And I said, yeah, I've been a couple of times where it's right in the middle of football season, so I never get to go much. She said, well, we got this family down in Louisiana that likes to duck hunt, and we're going to do a book with them. And I said, you know, I didn't think much of it. I said, let me think about it. Well, that night – the Robertson family was on 2020 was the night before duck dynasty aired for the first time. And I called Phyllis back the next morning and said, I want that book. That book's, not about, <laughs> that book's about the family. Yeah. So I, I flew out to uh, Monroe, Louisiana shortly thereafter and met with Corey Robertson and, and Willie, you know, and uh, while I was there, another one of the brothers, Jet, took me out to Phil's house, the, the patriarch. Yeah, and, uh, he. I met him in his double wide trailer next to the the river out there, and he said, uh, "He said if you're smart enough to write Willie's book, you're smart enough to write my book." So yeah. a one book deal turned into a seven book deal, and, and nice. DJ, thank God for Walmart because <laughs> you know, absolutely killed. I mean, did you, did you like grow a beard and everything? I mean, you had to conform to the family and everything, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I started dipping Copenhagen again and spit everywhere I could. And, <laughs> 
No, it was fun. They took me duck hunting a couple of times. I, I won't say whether or not they actually let me shoot a gun, but uh, I <laughs> went about, out the swamp with what, them and duck hunting. What about my man up inside? Like, man, I don't even know how I got started watching it, but I got stuck on it for like three, four seasons. And I was like watching it literally, just watching it all the time, religiously. And Uncle Cy, is is he like that all the time for real? No, he's, a, he's 100% authentic. I mean, a lot of that show, it's reality television, but, you know, the majority of it was scripted. But his personality, he is exactly like that. My favorite Uncle Cy story was when I was doing his, I, th- I want to say it was his second book. Um, I went out there and he wrote a check or something to cover my expenses to come mm-hmm. out there. And he said, Hey, you know, we worked for a few hours and he said, I got to go. I got a poker game. And so we go to his buddies. I said, can I come? He says, sure. And by the time that poker game ended about six o'clock in the morning, oh. I had not only given him back his check for expenses, <laughs> I wrote him another check for a couple hundred more dollars. Oh man! Yeah, it, was a first, it was a 10 hour poker game without beer. Cause none of them. No. And he oh. took me to the cleaners. Yeah, well, I guess they were looking at you like fresh meat when you walked in there. A quick story. The first time I ever went hunting, I went hunting with a, a buddy of mine, Chris Radman, who I played with. And I went deer hunting. And my first time, I had never shot a gun or anything. And he's like, dude, you're going to get in this. You're going to get in this. Uh, you're going to get in there. You're going to be, you're going to have him eyed up. He's probably like 100 yards away. I got him eyed up. And I was like, was like don't get nervous because, you know, you're going to shoot, you're going to get nervous. I'm like, dude, I played in front of 100,000 people. This is nothing. Right. I get there. My hands start shaking. My, it starts sweating. I'm like, what is going on? Deer's only 100 yards away. I, I shoot the deer, miss entirely. The deer looks up at me like, dude, you're the dumbest ever. And I'm like, the gun fires off, hit me right in the forehead. That was the last time I went deer hunting. So yeah. uh, you probably did better than me uh, when you went duck hunting than I did. <laughs> I like, I still, my buddy, I go, I go deer on a couple of times with the buddies, just so relaxing. Yeah, so a lot of people. I'm just like, first time, first time I fired at the deer, it went low. That deer was dumb enough to come back. The second time I I shot high. You got him? No, I did not get (laughs) him. No, you missed him at times. (laughs) Oh, man. Talk about that that, that book, Call the Coach. I mean, it's a New York Times bestseller. I mean, you got dozens of books that out there. At one point in time, I read, uh, you had three books that you co-authored that were New York Times best-selling authors at the same time. I mean, talk about that call to coach book and kind of, you know, the, the premise behind it. Yeah, so Coach, I, I was down in Tallahassee at the end of um, Coach Bowden's tenure down there. And so I spent a lot of time with him that last season. And shortly after he was forced to retire, um, his agent called me and she said that he was getting a lot of requests to do speaking engagements and um, wanted a book to be able to sell for some of those big corporate events. Mm-hmm. So I flew down, drove down to Tallahassee and met with him. And I know you know him. He's just oh, such yeah. a wonderful human being. Oh, yeah. And uh, we sat there for a couple of days, and it was going okay. But then he, he mentioned a pregame speech he'd given before a Notre Dame game or something. And I said, Coach Bowden, do you have any copies of your uh, pregame speeches? And he walked over to his desk in his house and pulled out this binder about this thick. He had every pregame speech he'd ever given as a head coach. And they were all in outlines and every one of them had scripture and 
oh, parable wow. stories. And, and so I said, uh, I said, Coach Bowden, I'm going to run down to the Kinkos. I'll be back in a couple of hours. <laughs> and I built the entire book around those speeches. And it, 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 was, uh, it was one of the neatest experiences. But the great part about that book, my favorite memory of that is when, when he would have a, a signing, he would ask me to go. And I'd end up being a chauffeur. It was like driving Mr. Daisy. I was driving <laughs> Coach Bowden. And we'd stop at a – you know, he'd do the speech, and then we'd, we'd stop at a gas station. He'd get a pack of Levi Garrett and Coke. He'd drink the Coke. <laughs> he'd spit in the Coke bottle. And then uh, we're, he said, as soon as we hit the highway, I'm, I'm out. And I'd look over on I-75 yeah. five minutes after we got on the road, and he was out, and he'd wake up when we got back to the airport or wherever. So it was a neat experience. Man, that's pretty awesome. I mean, you've had some uh, interesting things happen throughout your career. And, of course, before we talk any ball, I got one last story that I want to ask you about. I know you know where it's going. You probably had to tell this story tons of times. It's about our man, Tubby. Uh, I read this story. It was unbelievable. But for the fans or people who have not heard this story before, you have to explain the infamous Tubby story on Sanford Stadium at the 50. Explain. First off, I'll set it up by saying your man, Tubby, this is your dog. And this is a guy who is kind of uncontrollable, uh, I would say. I mean, he finds a way to get out of your yard all the time. But explain that story and kind of who Tubby is and how that all came about. Tubby was my graduation present from my from my then-girlfriend. I think her parents got him from a breeder down in Savannah. But, um, I mean, I he, he was an escape artist. I picked him up from Taco Stand, Dunkin' Donuts, Compadres. <laughs> like every other day somebody was calling so we've got your dog and it's amazing he was never hit by a car but yeah. i mean we 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 were living close to five points and we had barricaded the fence and put up cross ties and anything else you can think of and, and no matter what he could get out and it's so bad the funniest part my roommates hated him but every night my roommates would come home they both worked as bartenders at locos they come home and order a pizza and stick it in the fridge and the next morning the box would be in the backyard, Tubby just the fridge. fridge. Yeah, pulled out what he wanted. So eventually, we had to put Velcro on the fridge to keep him out of the fridge. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that particular day, I think it was 1997, 98. Georgia was playing Kentucky. It was Coach Donnan's second year, I believe. Uh, Al Mummy was at Kentucky. They had Tim Couch, Mike um, Leach too, Mike, right? Yeah, Mike Leach was a passing game coordinator. Yeah. Um, it was Robert Edwards and Matt Stinchcomb and Mike Bogle, a really good team. So I left – it was a rainy day. I left the house that Saturday morning to go to the game. It was a 3.30 CBS game. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm sitting there working in the press box, and it's it was a pretty boring game to begin with. Then all of a sudden the crowd was going crazy, and I looked down at the 50-yard line, and my, my dog's down there on the field. <laughs> and, uh, the guy sitting next to me was my editor, who also worked in Athens, so he knew Tubby. And he just – he turned – I was white as a ghost, and, and he, he just started shaking his head and chuckling. And so I got up, and I found Claude Felton, the sports information director. Yeah. He was on the radio, and he's saying, we need to find – locate the owner of that dog. And I was like, oh, you're looking at him. And uh, so, it, I mean, it took it, – I mean, you've seen the highlight. It took a good yeah. four, five, six minutes to get him off the field. And uh, there was an animal control officer who was sitting in the stands – and she came down and caught the paddy wagon. And Tubby spent Saturday, Sunday in jail. I got 
and a poker buddy of mine represented him pro bono. <laughs> uh, got the got the charges dismissed. The judge was was really nice about it. She said, "Were there any witnesses?" And I said, "Yes, Your Honor, eighty six thousand one hundred." That is quite. How did he? I mean, did he just fall in the face of the game? And then, I mean, how did he get in the stadium? Yeah, uh, apparently he pulled the front door with his mouth and oh. followed followed some tailgaters. We're probably about eight, ten blocks from the stadium. Yeah. And followed some tailgaters. And Michael Adams, who was the president at the time, told me later that he was coming in behind the red coat marching man oh, wow. right before halftime and he saw Tubby shoot by. <laughs> and I mean you play there. I mean you know there is a chain link fence behind the hedges with yeah. big gates. And they closed the gates. There's one gap that wide. And, and he the dog it. found it. I mean, it's amazing. Doggone Tubby, man. Tubby, most famous dog. Rest his soul. I mean, oh, man. I could take a second seat to Tubby, you know. Man, let's talk a little football, man. Uh, of course, football starting up, you know, last couple of weeks been going. We got ACC going this week. You got some Big 12 ball going this week. Uh, talk about the ACC, man. Is there anybody who can take out the big, mighty Clemson? Or are there a couple teams you think? has a chance to give them a run. I know Notre Dame now in the ACC, uh, are they the biggest threat to Clemson? Yeah, I think so. Just because they've been there before, they've been on that stage. Um, you know, North Carolina, I really like North Carolina. Mm -hmm. I love the job Mac's done, Mac Brown's done in Chapel Hill. They bring back Sam Howell, who was fantastic as a yeah. freshman. Yeah. Both the receivers are back. I think, you know, the way they've recruited, he's, he's really – He's got some defensive linemen in there, which you know you got to have. So I would think those top three, Clemson, Notre Dame, North Carolina. And I, I think uh, Louisville with Scott Satterfield, mm -hmm. uh, the job he did last year, because he inherited an absolute mess from Bobby Petrino again and, uh, <laughs> you know, did a good job rebuilding it. But, uh, you know, Mikhail Cunningham, their quarterback, really underrated player. Yeah, you're talking about quarterbacks. Everybody knows Trevor Lawrence and what he's about. Who do you think is the – the second best quarterback in that league. I mean, you, you just mentioned Sam Howell. You got Chase Bryce, who, you know, at Duke now. I mean, uh, you, you got Derek King, who transferred over to, to Miami. I mean, who, who, who do you think is the second best quarterback in that league? I think Sam Howell will probably put up the best numbers just because of the weapons he has coming back. But, I mean, Derek King at Miami, if he's able to do what he was able to do two years ago at uh, Houston, um, you know, he'll be a – He'll be a Heisman Trophy candidate. Um, you know, my question is, does Miami have enough talent around him? Yeah. Um, you know, and they've got probably the best defensive transfer in the league, too, Quincy Roche mm -hmm. uh, out of Temple. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll see. You know, Miami was really up and down last year, lost a couple of games they shouldn't have at times. Manny Diaz looked like he was maybe in a little bit in over his head, but, but mm -hmm. seemed to stabilize things late. Clemson goes to Notre Dame November 7th. What happens? Uh, that was one of my big predictions for the ACC. Notre Dame, of all teams, which is a temporary member of the ACC, ends Clemson's 20 – then it'll be a 28-game winning streak against ACC oh. opponents. Oh. One shy of Florida State's record of 29 when they first came in the league back in 92. If you remember Virginia, Tiki Barber. Oh, yeah. Guys knocked them off. Um I've got, I've got Notre Dame knocking off Clemson in South Bend on November seventh, but then Clemson comes back and wins the ACC championship game. Man, okay, I like it. I like. It. All right, let's jump over to the Big Twelve. Obviously, Big Twelve, Oklahoma, 
Texas, all the, the, the big names in that robbery, uh, Spencer Rattler, who been waiting his time. Uh, can we just say he's automatically going um, and be a Heisman candidate with what Lincoln Riley does with QBs? I mean, he's going to be legit in Oklahoma still, going to be the contender in the Big 12? Yeah, I think they're – I still think they're the team to beat. Um, you know, I think as long as Lincoln Riley's in Norman, uh, they're going to do what they do and that score a ton of points. And, yeah. you know, I talked to him a couple of weeks ago about Rattler, and, and he said that, you know, he's – He's as talented as the guys before him. That doesn't necessarily mean, you know, he'll win the Heisman. But, uh, you know, he's got all the tools. And he was a big-time recruit out of Phoenix. The one thing that does concern me about Oklahoma is Kennedy Brooks opting out. He was their top returning rusher. Um, apparently, he's going to opt out. Uh, they bring back the center, who's probably the, the top center in the country. And defensively, I think they've – I think they've – had 29 defensive players leave over the last couple of years since Alex Grinch got there. And, and I think it was more of a purge than anything else. I just think that the, the talent level on that side of the ball was just not very good. And, and he's really worked hard to, to try to fix it. When's that Red River rivalry? I know Texas, you know, they got a, they got a quarterback that's been there for a while. He's done it. Uh, he's played in some big games. Uh, can, he, can he finally get over that hump? Yeah, that's my big upset. Uh, Texas over OU in Dallas, but I still have OU winning the Big 12. But, yeah, Ellinger, he's, he's already played against Oklahoma four times. Right. <laughs> all those games have been – all the games in Dallas have been really, really close. Um, I think each of the last six were decided by a touchdown or less. Mm-hmm. So they've been competitive, certainly more competitive than when Bob Stoops was there and just blowing Texas out of the water. But, uh, you know, I think Ellinger's got a chance to have a really good year. Um, you know, I think uh, I think he's brought Texas back to the to the edge, and you know, depending on what happens this year, if if he can get past Oklahoma and win the Big Twelve, he'll have one heck of a legacy there. Well, looking forward to some big time football. Obviously, SEC starting up in a couple of weeks. Uh, we both Georgia guys. Uh, news earlier this week about Jamie Newman. Uh, I tell you, it caught me by surprise. I, I thought it was interesting. Uh, what were your initial thoughts when you know you heard? Hey, Jamie Newman, who's been here since January, uh, so he's opting out with three weeks before the season starts. Yeah, I think it's hard to criticize any player that opts out in the middle of a pandemic. My issues with the timing of it. Um, right. I just don't think you do it to your teammates and your coaches right. three weeks before the start of the season. That's, that's my issue with it. Um, he has every right to do what he did, but I think if you're going to do it, you do it back in June or July and, and give right. your teammates and your program a chance to – to fix things. I mean, I, I think for Kirby Smart, the good thing is he had a hell of a security blanket with JT Daniel. Uh, Daniels, you know, he's coming back off of knee surgery, but, you know, he was very accomplished as a freshman at USC. And if he can come back from that ACL, I, you know, I don't, I don't think they'll miss a beat. Is Alabama still the team to beat? Obviously, you know, they, they, Mac Jones played well when he came in last year. They got tons of talent still. Uh, LSU's losing. Dang near everybody on their squad. Uh, you still got Auburn sitting there. Everybody thinks Texas A&M, who I think is a sleeper as well, with all the guys coming back with Jimbo and Kellen Mond. Uh, what do you like about the SEC, and what, what, what do you think that shakes out at the end of the season? Yeah, you know, I, I think in the in the East, I think it's Georgia, Florida. Um, I went with Georgia because of defense mm-hmm. um, and the fact that Georgia's had the upper hand. Kirby seems to have his way with Dan Mullen a little bit and Todd Grantham. Um, 
you know, I think the winner of that game in Jacksonville will decide which team will play in the SEC championship game. In the West, I'd still have to go with Alabama. I mean, they lost a ton, but I like Mac Jones. I think you'll see their offense go back to the more traditional Nick Saban style of play with, with play action and, and pounding ground. And they've got Najee Harris, and, you know, he's well, going to be one of the better backs in the country. He got really, really improved last year in terms of catching the ball out of the backfield. They've still got Devontae Smith and all those other receivers, so they got some targets. Uh, defensively, you know, they had some key losses to injuries last year, get Dylan Moses and some of those other guys back. So I think defensively they'll be strong. I had A&M number two. <clears throat> you know, you look at LSU, lose Joe Burrow, lose Dave Landa to Baylor, lose Joe Brady to the Carolina Panthers. Um, I think they lost a dozen guys to the NFL draft, and you had Jamar Chase and their defensive lineman popped out. I mean, that's just so much for anybody to overcome, especially in that division. Um, You know, we'll see what Miles Brandon does, if he can step in there. It's impossible shoes to fill. But uh, I had had A&M two, LSU three, Auburn four. I can never – predict what Auburn's going to do. The years I pick them to do well, they do terrible. Know what the Gus bus is yeah, gonna do. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm really eager to see how much control he actually gives Chad Morris with the offense. I think if he lets Chad do his thing, um, I think it'll, it'll be fun to watch. And I do think Bo Nix will take a big step in year two. And that's what you wonder because over the years, even at the end of last year, he called the plays and – you can see he was excited about it. But you bring Chad Morris over, obviously you think a guy who's been around the league has, you know, put up tons of points and tons of, you know, big-time players, you allow him to have that that kind of access. Do you, do you think it really will happen or will he just have the, the title? I don't think Chad's coming unless he's he has assurances that he's given full control. Now, if things go south early and they're not rolling, yeah. does, Gus, does Gus kind of grab – take the reins again because they're struggling. But, um, you know, I think Gus will be more relaxed this year. Um, you know, I think – I don't think we're going to see a lot of firings and hirings because of the, the pandemic and the financial positions of a lot of these schools and athletics departments. But, um, you know, I just it's, – it's such a tough division. They lost Derek Brown and those other dudes on the, on the front. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's going to be – it's going to be a difficult road for them. Mark, would you – Say Cal Trask is the best quarterback in the SEC? Um, yeah, it's probably him or uh, – yeah, it's probably Trask just in terms of proven proven guy. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm eager to see what JT Daniels does. I think K.J. Costello at Mississippi State, former Stanford starter who also is coming back from injury. Uh, I think he'll put up huge numbers in Mike Leach's system. Yeah. Now, whether or not Mississippi State actually plays any defense remains to be seen, but uh, they're going <laughs> to they're going to throw the, throw the heck out of the ball. Yeah. Uh, you know, I like Mond. Um, I think he got better last year. Still needs to improve on his accuracy. Some needs to play better on the road. Yeah. But I think he did improve under Jimbo, and I think another off season as messed up as it was under Jimbo is going to only help him. Mark, I'll let you get out of here, man. Obviously, there were four new coaches in the SEC. Uh, you, you had some, they got some, they started out in some real, uh, I want to say, pickle over games. Uh, the SEC didn't do them any favors uh, with their star schedule. Uh, who do you think has the better year 
uh, this year with those four, four new head coaches and Kiffin and Eli and, you know, Sam Pittman at Arkansas. I mean, who, who has the better year? I think I, I think I ended up going with Leach at Mississippi State, but I think it's probably a toss-up between Ole Miss, uh, Lane Kiffin, and Leach at Mississippi State, probably the winner of the Egg Bowl. Um, I mean, the, you're right. I mean, welcome to the SEC, the league. Absolutely give them no favors in terms of scheduling, and I don't care how much you love the SEC. You can't tell me or argue that the SEC didn't look out for its best teams. No doubt. Um, I mean, Sam Pittman, poor guy at Arkansas. I mean, they'll be lucky to win one game. It's just, it's, it's hard. And I mean, you know, the biggest thing is I read this morning that, uh, you know, Ole Miss has had some serious problems with contact tracing and, and injuries and kids actually being sick. And I mean, those schools just don't have enough depth. And I think it's only going to be exasperated this season. Saw that with Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee the other day, whatever. I mean, they couldn't even practice. They had like 44 guys that were out. So, that's going to be a big part of it um, in the pandemic. Last thing, you, all the talk about, you know, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 opting out really early now. There's talks of possibly it happening, you know, Halloween or whatever it may be. Well, what's your take on that whole situation? Did they do it too early? Do you think they'll come back in the fall? What do you think is happening there? Um, you know, I, the only thing, I'm, I think a lot of it has to do with where your, your universities are located. I mean, it's naive to think a lot of this isn't political. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know, I just know from what, you know, we reported it two or three weeks ago, a lot of their presidents and chancellors and, and medical people were concerned about the unknown effects of COVID on the heart and some other long-term concerns. Um, I think there would have to be decisive information that, that, that changes their concerns. Um, you know, I think the new... Uh, more reliable, faster testing for COVID is going to help. We saw the Pac-12 announced last week that they're going to have that available by mid-October. Yeah. I, I would be surprised if it's before Thanksgiving. Um, I just think it's going to be hard for some of those schools, particularly in the Pac-12, yeah. to come on board with it. I mean, there's still, you know, five or six schools in Arizona and California and Oregon that – they can't practice. So until yeah. those local ordinances change, it's not going to happen anytime soon. Wow. One guy not named Trevor Lawrence that wins the Heisman. Here's your walk-off for Mark. Ooh. Najee Harris? <laughs> I think Harris will put up big numbers. I mean, I'll be back. I don't. I, yeah, I, I can't go with a redshirt freshman. I would say Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma. Yeah. Just he's, he's going to put up huge numbers. But I, I, Trevor Lawrence, without Justin Fields in the race, yeah. I think is 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 by far the the big preseason favorite. Awesome, awesome. Well, Mark, you've always been a good friend of mine, man. Uh, we've always been good good buddies for a while, and it's always good to chat with you. You, you see everything in college football. We love it. So appreciate you joining the Triple Third Podcast, taking a little time to talk to me and. Uh, some great insight on stuff going around around the country, man. So we appreciate it and uh, stay safe. Thanks, DJ. Thanks for having me. great show we had today on the triple thread podcast we had my man mark schlabach come through and you heard some of the surprise 
things he said about some upsets that are going to happen this year. I'm looking forward to seeing if those things come true. Appreciate my man Scotty D and all his great insight as well. We want to thank you guys for joining us on the Triple Threat Podcast. Continue to subscribe. Continue to tell somebody. Continue to listen. We appreciate every single person that listens in weekly. Continue to subscribe to the Triple Threat Podcast. And we look forward to seeing you guys next week with another great episode here on the Triple Threat Podcast. By my guy Scotty D. I'm DJ Shockley. Deuces. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.